1: TV, comics, movie stars, hit singles, and some toys. Trivia and dirty jokes. An evening with the boys.
2: Once is never good enough for something so fantastic. Fantastic. So here's another Gilbert and Frank's. Here's
1: another Gilbert and Frank's. Here's another Gilbert and Frank's. Colossal classic. This is Gilbert Gottfried. This is Gilbert Gottfried's amazing, colossal podcast. I'm here with my co host, Frank Santo Padre, and we're once again recording at Nutmeg Post with our engineer, Frank Verderosa. Our guest this week is a celebrated writer, producer, and director of popular films such as Look Who's Talking, Look Who's Talking To. Johnny Dangerously, Loser, National Lampoon's European Vacation, and, of course, the iconic and much-admired classics Clueless and Fast Times at Ridgemont High. She's also written and directed for television with credits that include The Carrie Diaries, Gossip Girl, The Office, Baby Talk, and the spin-off series Fast Time based on a 1982 movie. In her four decades in show business, she's worked with an impressive roster of talented performers, (coughs) including Sean Penn, John Travolta, Michelle Pfeiffer, Michael Keaton, Danny DeVito, Paul Rudd, Jennifer Jason Leigh, George Segal, Will Ferrell, Bruce Willis, and most importantly, me. <laughs> and if all that isn't enough to impress, she also shares our appreciation for the single greatest film ever committed to celluloid Abbott and Costello Meet Frankenstein. <laughs> Please welcome to the podcast a witty and talented filmmaker and a woman who claims her two most vivid childhood memories include James Cagney and Speedy, the Alca seltzer mascot, my old friend Amy Heckerling. I don't know where you heard all that, but yes,
2: it's all true. And John Travolta and Gilbert had a dancing scene and Look Who's Talking To. Really? And I'm pretty sure that John Travolta said that Gilbert was his favorite partner of all time. <laughs> <laughs>
0: You starting the show with a lie.
1: Yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah. He he taught me a very simple dance step. <laughs> so the dance step I do and look who's talking to was taught to me by John Travolta. Wow.
2: Well, you know, it's like he's also a choreographer. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> now, this is the most important thing I should get to first. I I actually just yesterday met phoebe kate's son who's wow. an adult oh owen wow
0: yeah yes owen klein
1: and and you know it it uh, was well, a filmmaker I, what's he, yeah he's oh, a budding he filmmaker saying. yeah yeah wow yeah cool. and and i'm nice i'm kid. standing there going you know i jerked off to pictures <laughs> of your mother <laughs> you said that to him yeah yeah no. i don't nice. know how many times <laughs> i whacked off to your mother <laughs> And now, she didn't want to show her tits this in is fast true. times at Ridgemont yes. High.
0: Starting right off, huh,
1: Gil?
2: <laughs> okay, <laughs> yes. here we go. Um, <laughs> There's well, no ramp here, it's Amy. It's true, <laughs> because th- this is where I get a lot of grief from, like, you know— feminists and people that want to say that women should be all empowered and stuff. But really, I'm very selfish. I was out for myself. I wanted a career. I wanted that movie (laughs) to do well. I wanted girls to like it, but I wanted boys to like it. And I knew what boys would like. And that was in the script. And she agreed to do the script. And she signed the contract. And so she tried to you know, enlist me in her cause of like, it's not really that important. We kind of know what the scene's about and it would be okay if she opened her bra a little bit early so that by the time you saw anything, it was blocked by Judge Reinhold. And I said, no, (laughs) no, no. Here's the mark where you open it. That's where you got to do it right there. And then he comes here and you'll be blocked. But no, it's got to happen on that mark. And she, then she thought she saw that people are, are in the building next door, were on the roof looking at her. Or oh, yeah, she wanted
0: a closed set. Yeah, It
2: was a closed set. I don't think there were people. People were sent to make sure nobody was anywhere. Um, but uh, the producer, who was a great, great producer, um, Art Linson, who also did The Untouchables, and he was there and he backed me up that no this was something that she agreed to and she got the part and signed the contract and that was that and so all other women can hate me but people watch that movie and um, years later I went to a video store and uh, the guy told me that they had a lot of problems with the videotape before DVDs because it was always breaking at that point (laughs) people (laughs) were pausing it
0: (laughs)
1: It was twice too many video times. Video store in Gilbert's neighborhood. because <laughs> <laughs> I mean, her tits and Fast Times—they were beautiful. Yeah. Oh, incredible, perfect, exquisite-looking woman. Yeah, she's and, got an and amazing body. Yeah. It, it was—it was like the—that was like the Sled and Citizen Kane. <laughs> her tits and Fast
2: Times—they
1: uh-huh. were amazing.
2: They answer all questions at the end.
1: And yes, yeah. didn't you, did you run into problems when you tried to do
0: to, to include male nudity? In yeah, fast times? I
2: well having you tell a story about it. Grown up where there was like this sexual revolution um, that I had heard about, uh, <laughs> in, <laughs> 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 and uh, apparently there was nudity in movies. And um, by the time I was old enough to see the movies, I I saw that there was women were naked, like in all these foreign films and full frontal females. But you never saw any men. And in American movies, forget about it, because there wasn't, like, naked people in movies. Um, but I thought, well, I'm a female director, and I can change that. I can I can have some equality. I can have, you know, naked women and naked men, and that would be fair. And so we shot uh, a scene where Bobby Romanus is going to have sex, and... Uh, they're both very awkward and they take off their clothes. And you saw from mid-thigh up, you saw everything. And uh, the censors said, you can't do that. You can't show the male organ. And I said, well, why not? You could show full frontal females. And they go, that's because the male organ is aggressive. And it's like, well, that's not fair. And isn't it like you know organ to organ? Like some are aggressive, some are kind of shy. Some, you know, and, but they said Passive. no, you, you can't show that. But um, they, I was told that if anybody wanted to fight that in Washington with the censors, um, they could go there, and the person that that would fall to was the post production executive Verna Fields. Now Verna at the time, who's was amazing. She was uh, – she cut jaws. Oh, yeah. the She is feels responsible the editor. for all the great directors now because she was the brilliant editor. And um, she was sick at the time and she had cancer. And I couldn't say, hey, I want to show a dick. Would you fly, down <laughs> 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 fly over to Washington and fight for me when she like – I mean it was hard for her to get up the stairs to the cutting room. So I, I couldn't do that. So um, – we blew up the shot, and, and there's nothing there. It's all okay.
1: But, see, here's something. Yeah. Here's the only argument I can have. Is you see full frontal female nudity, but really very little in the way of vaginas. This is
2: true. You have a good point. <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's an excellent insight. Yeah. Yes. You see vaginas more... In, like, uh, these, like, celebrity actresses, you know, actresses and singers getting out of a car. In recent times, yes. But in, like,
2: in the 70s, when there was, like, uh, W.R., Mysteries of the Orgasm, or I Am Curious Yellow, or the the foreign films, you saw the Europeans. They Emmanuel would have,
1: and that kind yeah, of stuff. Yeah, full
2: frontal naked women running around. You have to see these movies.
1: Yeah. I those were always like the Emmanuel movies bored the shit out of me.
2: Well those were like porn movies. The yeah. ones that were considered artistic.
1: Man and a woman. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't
2: remember. Yeah. I just remember the windshield I, wipers.
0: I, I remember I'm Curious Yellow was a big that yeah. was a big controversy. controversy See now Fast
1: one. Times came out right in the midst of a great time for uh, movie nudity. Like the 80s.
2: Well, it was just as the like door was shutting because it was like Reagan and uh, just say no. And uh, sort of closing the door on all the sex and drugs. And we sort of like slipped under as the garage door was closing. Uh, And I think things changed a lot after that. And for a long time, I think there was no R-rated youth movies until Judd Apatow came along.
1: You, you know what I, I noticed? The first time I noticed the change, I went to some, like, slasher film on 42nd <laughs> Street. And I'm watching the slasher film, and I'm going, first of all, where are the tits? There's no tits here. The girl's getting into the shower, yeah. but we, we're not seeing anything. And the guy would come after her with a knife, and you wouldn't see the knife go in, the blood squirting. Yeah. you felt cheated, huh? Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. There was some, there was some major editing going on.
0: Yeah,
2: there, there was. Uh, things got very tame quickly, and there was, uh, you know, I mean, Reagan was the president. There was a big conservative backlash, and and uh, the rating board got very hard-assed for a long time. And then I would see movies like recently, more recently, like Borat, and you'd see Dick's flying all around. The place. <laughs> you'd see, and you go, slapping like, the lens. Wait a minute! I thought you couldn't show that. Yeah. And um, everybody said, "Well, no, you can, but they can't be for sex. They could just be, you know, incidental."
1: Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Your <a> favorite, Gil. <laughs> incidental nudity. I do. That's my favorite kind of – there's a thing that a uh, uh, friend of mine nicknamed Gilbert Nudity.
0: We had Mr. Skin on the show. you know uh-huh. Mr. Skin? No. Oh, he's the he runs the the, the, uh, the movie nudity website. Oh, he's wow. a connoisseur. Oh, is he the
2: one that tells you
1: exactly where uh, – That's yes. the guy. Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. So Gilbert here. Nudity to me is like a naked girl doing her taxes – <laughs> you know that that that's it. I don't need I don't need the sex scene. Yeah, he likes it casual much. And, yeah. yeah,
2: I have a friend, and I will tell him. Okay, if you're watching my movie, when it cuts to all the girls like doing this, six seconds in, <laughs> <laughs> somebody falls and she's not wearing underwear. You'll see some, but nobody noticed it. Like you know, but I could tell
1: my friend. Now, but do women who go to movies actually want to see actors' dicks? You know,
2: I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm not somebody that wants to see, like, uh, a lot of nudity. I mean, <laughs> I, I think it works more for comedy yeah. than for turning people on, you know? I think if you're actually going to be nude in a situation with someone, there's a lot of lighting that's got to go on. And if you have a smoke machine, maybe that could help. But um, as far as... Uh, In a film, no, I don't think people women go like, oh boy, you see so and so's dick. But you know what? I'm not a normal female because I like a lot of females will like they'll like a guy because he's got big muscles, and I find that like who cares? That's that's for stupid people. Muscles, that's you know they'll like want to see somebody take their shirt off some guy, and I'll go no. I like shirts with ties especially, but no, like not. Guys taking their shirts off so you see a six pack. Who gives a fuck? <laughs>
1: so oh. you're not the best judge it, for no. the question. <laughs> it seems like nudity in movies. If it's a girl naked, it's sexual. If it's a guy naked, it's funny. Yeah. You know, like Will Ferrell was. always... Yes. That sounds like how
0: Borat got away with it. Yeah. It wasn't yeah. lascivious. It, it was, was just it was funny. Comic relief.
1: Yeah.
2: I mean, it's funny. I think it's funny if you, you know, if you have the right attitude. Um. There's even. Now, um, guys that are sort of handsome that are funny being, like, less clothed because they're making fun of the idea of it, like, you know, sort of funny himbos.
0: Oh, like uh, the guy in uh, Forgetting Sarah Marshall.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean and – I'm forgetting his name. As long as they're, like, got the right attitude of, like, isn't it silly how vain this makes me, um, it could be funny. But it's not something where, you know, you see so-and-so take their shirt off and you go, whoa. That's like – I don't know. Tell that. us
0: about some of the battles on Fast Times because I watched the director's commentary with you and uh, and Cameron. One uh, of the nice things about it is your nice chemistry and how fond you obviously are of each other and how much you enjoyed working together comes, I love comes through. I love Cameron. I wanted to hear – I just. I, said, I wish they had made more movies together because I just want to go on listening to well, director's commentary. I'm up
2: for that. I mean I think he's – He's so brilliant. He's such an amazing writer. He's an amazing director. Because he's, he's just such a human, and he's got such a great sense of comedy. And, well, but I'm, I'm his a fan. heart, it's really, that's it. That's I'm a he's fan great. of his
0: movies and his Billy Wilder book. Yeah. Yeah. But Mike McPadden is here, our social media director, who's who's obsessed with Fast Times at Ridgemont High. So I got I got to ask you a couple of questions about it before we move on. And I okay. heard this stuff in the director's commentary. Did not know David Lynch was considered to direct the the Cameron script, which blows my mind.
2: I didn't know that either. You guys said it. Wait, I said it? On the
0: on the commentary.
2: Cuz somebody told me about it and I was like I had not known that for decades. I didn't know Interesting. that. Interesting.
0: Or that that they sent – they were so worried, the studio was so worried at some point that you were delivering the wrong kind of teen comedy that they sent John Landis to the set. John Landis
2: came to the set, yeah. And, you know, I thought – I had met him a couple of times and I thought he was just being friendly. Um, And we were right there, you know, on the sound stages right by everybody's offices. But apparently years later he told me um, that they thought the movie was too depressing – and it wasn't going to be a wacky teen comedy. And so they sent him to the set. And he was just being really friendly. And uh, then apparently he told me that he told them, like, you know, it's fine. Leave her alone. And, um, you know, so I can understand the problem. Because when we started shooting the movie, we started in the house, which was the Jennifer Jason Lee stuff. Right. Which was like all her aggravation of getting pregnant, of not calling her. Sad things are happening, and that was all in the beginning. And then later on, we went to the school in the mall where more of the fun stuff happens. So they probably saw, you know, a girl waiting for a guy not giving her a ride to an abortion, and said, "This is not a movie we want to make." It was in the script, yeah. And they should understand that there's a schedule, and you're shooting the things in, you know, in whatever order you worked out, but. Um, they were afraid that it was going to be too depressing.
0: Were they looking for a Porky's kind of a thing? Were they looking for just a pure teen escapist? Um, I mean because the movie delivers plenty of laughs. There's, there's comedy. Sean Penn's great.
2: Yeah. I mean what I loved about Cameron's script and, and his book was that it was just so real. All those kids, you know that they were based on real people. But beyond that, he had you know feeling for them. And that comes through, in in the script and um, hopefully in the movie. But uh, you know, I don't. I was going for laughs that would work with what mm-hmm. was happening in other places, not like crazy stuff. I mean, there was um, there was a thing where uh, Ratner sits with uh, Jennifer Jason Leigh, and um, he's too awkward. They start to kiss, but he gets up. And the studio saw that scene and they were like, "Uh uh-oh, we have to reshoot this. And we want it to be that they kind of get into a pretzel-like shape and they're caught and it was like make it crazy, weird thing that physicalized the like, you know, that they get into a mess.
0: It's weird. It's like they almost, they don't understand the source material.
2: Yeah. Um, And so... I was there and we were going to start to shoot something and I didn't know how I was going to do it because uh, it wasn't what was in my head. And then I got on the set and threw up um, (laughs) practically on Jennifer uh, because the script woman had the flu and I was feeling kind of crummy. And then it just – between the aggravation and and the flu coming on, it just went – and um, so they sent me home, and Art Linson shot a version. I don't know if I'm allowed to say that because...
1: Oh, okay. I don't it's on, the, it's on the
2: commentary. <laughs> okay. It's already out there. I don't yeah. want anybody in trouble at the studio. But, um, and ultimately, uh, you know, they they liked it the other way, so mm-hmm. put that in.
1: What I remember about Fast Times, that sort of separated it from the regular basically USA, a poll night, did some <laughs> ass teen comedies, was that there's that one speech that uh, Judge Reinhold gives where like they're saying, ah, you know, you're a teenager, you're out having fun, getting laid, and he's not doing any of that.
2: Yeah, when he talks to his uh, guidance counselor. And it's like, you know, it's like, well, I'm just still waiting for the fun to start. And when everybody's like saying, it's, oh, it's your last year, you're the top of the world, the best years of your life. And, and he's like, oh, and you know what? I get up at 6 a.m., I go to Mighty Mart, I go to school, I go back to, you know. And and he has a way of like getting really worked up and his voice cracks and he was, you know, he's good at getting really mad.
1: And and tell us about all the people who are complete unknowns in fast times. Well, oh, him for one. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: Um, at well, they were all unknowns. Yeah. And there were a few people that came in that were more known or going to be more known. Um, one person that I really liked was Scott Bio for Damone. And another person that came in, um, he didn't read, he was, came in with his people, was Ralph Maxio to play Ratner. Um, but Artlinson said, you know what? It's going to un- make the balance uneven. You know, you're going to have like, a yeah. guy with a big trailer and all the other people in the, you know.
0: Also, so, wouldn't it hurt the story to see unknown faces uh, and then somebody you recognize from other movies?
2: I don't know, because yeah. actors are supposed to play parts. Yeah. And you're not supposed to go, wait a minute, there's Superman. I mean, you know, it's I think you'd get over that. But uh, but he felt like we should have an even playing field. So we went with that. And, you know, I still love those guys and I like them in other things, but we kind of, like, said, we'll find people. Nicholas Mike Cage. Cage.
1: Forest Whitaker. Yeah, Forest totally Whitaker, unknown. Nick Cage. Yeah, yeah Forrest.
2: Yeah. I love Forrest. He was amazing and I, I wish that there was a lot, lot more for him to be doing um, in, in that movie. There's plenty of him in since then and things. Um, and, uh, you know, we had all the buds were, you know, Eric Stoltz. Stoltz, right. Yeah, right, and right. Nicolas Cage and just everybody that was like, okay, you'll have two friends, you know, surfer bud number one, surfer bud number two, fast food bud number one, fast food bud number two. But we gave them names because, you know, they're characters and people. Um, but those were there were amazing people out there at that time.
0: We have to ask you about Ray Walston. Yeah, And I love from the director's uh, commentary, and I'd heard this somewhere before, that, that, that his acting style and Sean Penn's acting style clashed a bit, safe to say.
2: You could say that, although, I, I mean, I think both Sean and, and Ray were capable of doing all sorts of things. I mean, certainly the character he played in Mice and Men and the character he played in The Apartment and in South Pacific, those, mm-hmm. you know— those were all, you could be musical comedy, you could be on stage, you could be in a film, you could be in a realistic film, a sad film, a happy film. I mean, he could do anything, as could Sean. Um, and, uh, but but the way they worked was very yeah, that's, different. That's what I, that's what I
0: meant. <laughs> I mean... I didn't mean acting styles, I meant acting processes. Yeah,
2: Ray Walston you know. liked to sort of ride his bike around. He wore these glasses that kept, um, that were like opaque, so he could just like you know shut out the world and think about what he was doing and concentrate and he would know all his lines really well and then he was ready to go and he knew what he wanted to do and sean decided it would be a fun idea to like change all his off-screen dialogue and totally insult him (laughs) (laughs) and you know ray Walston came up to me in between and he goes you tell that young man i do not appreciate that i know what i'm doing (laughs) you know and i was like okay uh, but, you know, Sean does what Sean does, and it works.
1: Now, I heard, getting back to my favorite topic, I heard Jennifer Jason Leigh yeah. is one of those actresses that, as opposed to Phoebe giving you trouble showing your tits, she wouldn't give anybody trouble taking her clothes off.
2: At the time, I can't say what it's like now, Um, But at the time, she was very comfortable. Um, She had no problem at all. And I remember that uh, um, the producer was a little worried, like, okay, after the Phoebe situation, maybe we should have a body double just in case there's any problem. So we got one, but she never knew about this. And there was, like, less than no trouble. She was completely comfortable and happy.
0: (laughs) <laughs> Interesting. They both come from showbiz families. Yeah. Rick Morrow is her dad, and what? Joe Cates, Phoebe Cates' father.
1: Is that Joe Cates uh, Joe or Gil Cates? Or Gil Cates? G- yeah, I, I can't I remember. Which yeah, one, her one father's one, Joe, the uncle. The uncle was Gil,
0: the, the director. While we wait for Gilbert to find the men's room, <laughs> we promise we'll come back to the show after a word from our sponsor. Don't go away. And now back to the show. So you grew up in the Bronx. Yes, you're, you're you're a local kid like us, and doing a little research on you and finding out that you to, to getting back to the uh, the introduction about Cagney, you want to explain the Cagney thing and the uh, and the Speedy Alka Seltzer thing real quick, so our our viewers aren't confused by that. Our viewers, our listeners.
2: <laughs> uh, well, I mean, you know, you have a kid and you put it in a playpen and you put the TV on, and uh, that's how they grow up and. Um the I really responded to James Cagney, I mean, from way before kindergarten, uh, just because of his energy. He was like mm-hmm. a cartoon character. He was like somebody uh that you just see him do stuff if you're a little kid, he'd come in, he'd like smack a guy around and and you'd just like crack up because it was funny. It was so energetic and crazy and uh and speedy alka-seltzer the other one i mentioned was uh i just like the look you know the big head and the little hat (laughs) (laughs) i mean you know it's like somebody that's in a, uh, a playpen um oddly enough i have a grandchild now who's like one and a half and you know there's like slats on um staircase mm-hmm. and so we we hold the slats and i go let me out of here you screws and she does it too she can't talk yet but she <laughs> now battles now you do Cagney. And we, yeah <laughs> and we pretend we're in prison and you know we goof around that's our game
0: what else did you watch we asked we asked this of a, a lot of our guests you watch cartoons I, I i read you said you were a latchkey kid
2: yeah um i Come home and um, one thing Gilbert talked about with other guests was in New York there was a Million Dollar Movie. I love that
0: you did your research and listened to other episodes. <laughs> <laughs> That's so rare. <laughs>
2: well, that freaked me out because there were so many similarities. But um, Million Dollar Movie, and I, I talked about this with other New York directors. It's like you'd come home. Uh, it was on every night mm-hmm. at a reasonable time, like 7 or something. You could A kid could watch it. And every day, the same movie was on. Right. So by the end of the week, you know, if it was Godzilla, you knew all the shots. If it was Charlton Sings Again, you knew, all, you knew it. And then on the weekend, they'd show it a few times a day on Saturday and Sunday. Well, I mean, when Yankee Doodle Dandy was on, you know, forget it. I was just in for the weekend. There was no taking me to the park or the, you know, grocery store or anything. I was just like, no. You just I, leave I remember
1: there. I, I've always said that. When I was growing up, the greatest film school in the country was in your living room. Yeah. Because it was just old films that were probably not even that old. Well, you had we to deal with watching. the commercials, but that aside. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. You really got you
0: And really a got mixture. To of times. There'd
1: be, one channel had the monster movies, the other the gangster films, the other's musicals.
2: Yeah. And you just watch them over and over, which is the best thing to do. Yeah. Um, And this was before you could rent a video and before Mm -hmm. DVDs and before streaming. So uh, if you really loved movies, that was what you did. And then the next big jump ahead for me was like when you had uh, DVR and you could go fast forward and backward. Because you could say, okay, how many times did he turn his head when Mrs. Robinson came in? Because it's like weird. And you go, yeah, they repeated that shot and he's turning his head and turning his head a bunch of times and you could count it and you could watch it in slow motion and you could really study and see how things were made and see the seams. And, you know, that's, that's a great thing.
0: So you love Roaring Twenties and, and Angels with Dirty Faces and, and you just watch that stuff over and over again.
2: Yeah. I want to talk about Vorkapich now. The he, Witch? You
0: bring it back film school here, Amy.
2: Yeah, no, it's most people in film school don't know about this. Um, in the roaring 20s, uh, there's the depression hits and the money is building up and building up and building up and the people are buying stuff and then it it blows up and all the papers are going all over the people in Wall Street and all the close-ups of different angles of the people looking all upset and the stock market blows up and the... What is the glass thing that the ticket tape was in?
0: Oh, uh, yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. Okay. I don't know all what it's called. All of that
2: stuff was done by this little Russian guy, Vorkapich. In fact, they used to call montages Vorkapiches.
0: Slavko Vorkapich? Wasn't that his name? Yes. Yes.
2: And uh, he did that stuff in... Um, the Roaring Twenties, when you see uh, the um, prohibition starting and all the bottles and all the gangsters and all the shootouts and the way it was all meshed together and the legs going one way and the bottles going around and the, you know, beautiful, amazing geometric uh, movement. And um, so, I love that stuff. Well, when I went to AFI, he came and wow. taught a course. Wow. Yeah. And the first day, the place was packed. But, and a few lessons in, it was just like me and Stuart Cornfeld. <laughs> it was just like <laughs> everybody was like, nah. But um, that was just the best way of seeing how movies are put together and what you can do and people always make fun of like oh yeah newspapers and a train and that's how yeah, you we go on tour. yeah we were talking about that with Donnie, yeah,
0: yeah. Aw- but awkward time lapse devices it's
2: awkward when you've seen it imitated 20 mm-hmm. times mm-hmm. the first time you saw it and you know and it told you how it was on the road and how many places somebody went in a you know 30 seconds you know or how somebody could be going crazy and what kind of images they're seeing in their dreams and all of that. You go, wow, that's amazing. And that's very efficient storytelling. And, yeah, when lesser people do it, it's totally cheesy.
0: So he showed up, was a big deal, and, and, and then only the hardcore people were stuck around well, for, the, okay, for yeah. the end.
2: Yeah, because, you know, he would take, like, um, Potemkin. Mm-hmm. And show you where some shots were facing the wrong way and recut it. Interesting. And you go, wow. Or he'd have a bunch of shots of balls rolling one way, rolling another way. And by when they're cut one way, it makes sense and it connects. When they're cut another way, it doesn't. And that's the basis of any kind of cutting that's going to work or not work. You could do it with just rolling balls. And then you know where a match cut should be. Um, but the first day he was there and he was... Like a little guy, I mean, Did I you
1: don't ever know. hear of him, Gilbert? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, uh, uh, Battleship. Uh, wait a minute. Well, that was Eisenstein. That was, battle, that was, that was Eisenstein. Eisenstein. Yeah. I'm thinking of yeah. Battleship Potemkin, like a fucking idiot.
2: <laughs> but anyhow, he's yeah. this tiny little old, old, old guy. Yeah, and he's got one of those uh, Steve Martin arrows through his head, <laughs> and it's so adorable. And he's saying, "Now, what do you see?" You think you see an arrow going through my head because the eye will put things together in a certain way. And that's what we're going to learn. Interesting. Yeah.
0: I haven't heard that name since – I went to SVA in the 80s for film. Uh-huh. And I studied with a, a film critic named Amy Taubin. Uh-huh. And she turned she, – she, uh, she educated us. about. I haven't heard that
1: name since 1984. But it's amazing that I remembered his first name. They, they were – the funny thing about film and, – and I mean even like you think of Godzilla – Yeah. It's the whole point of your brain trying to make sense of it. Right. Yeah. So if you put someone in front of a little building, you go, well, he must be gigantic. Yeah. Because buildings are big.
2: And if you put some people looking up screaming, then you assume that those people are looking up at that. And then you can make a scary
1: monster movie. Now, before we forget. Let's let's get to the time uh, you invited me to your house for dinner. Oh, I was
0: wondering. I was wondering when he was going to get around to that. <laughs> if there's an objectionable party, we can always yeah. take it out.
2: Well, okay. So, um, uh, Gilbert said, "I said, you know, uh, you uh, he just got to town." And um, he wanted- you, you guys
0: You guys befriended each other after you made the movie together? Was that how you first met? Or did you know each other?
2: I think I, I think knew you before that. Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Oh, yeah, before that, because I wanted to put him in. Right. Oh, I wanted yeah. to put you in Clueless. Yeah. And, uh, and Scott role? Rudin said, the driving te- uh, tester. Oh. And Scott Rudin said, oh, why don't you put him in one of your other films? So- <laughs>
1: Yeah, he doesn't like that me. That bastard. Yeah. He doesn't like me, Scott well, Gordon.
2: But um, I but mean, he
1: taught me everything I know about pussy. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Which is, you know, basically, yeah. that was the whole, you know, I said, well, I'm making dinner already. And, uh, you know, he goes, what's for dinner? <laughs> 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 I'm making rice and some vegetables. Why? What do you like on rice? He goes, pussy. i <laughs> <laughs> And they go, all right, well, I'm, I'm making rice with vex. you can come over if you want. And he goes, well, how will I get there? Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, they didn't rent you a car or anything. No. So he said, right, get a cab. He said, <laughs> then he gets depressed. And he said, get a cab. I'll pay for it when it gets here.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I just want to pay for a cab.
2: And... Uh, You know, and then there's the whole feud with my um, daughter's babysitter. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Barbara. Her her babysitter came to pick me up, who was... uh,
2: She's... uh, Her parents were both um, in concentration camps, which she thinks is Gilbert's fault. (laughs) (laughs) It may be. (laughs) So she's going, you know, my father was 80 pounds when he got out of Auschwitz, and he's going... That's a great diet. How do you get on the diet? <laughs> and he just said anything in the world to upset her. She would be laughing and then yelling at him.
1: Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I remember we were driving in the car, and I was just, you know, ready to have a free dinner. <laughs> That's all I care. And without even a, uh, gee, it may rain later or anything <laughs> like that, she goes... My parents were in the camps, and I said, "Oh, was it a camp that had like folk singing and arts and crafts?" And she'd go, "You son of a bitch! No, it was the camp." And and I and I remember I used to I'd be on the phone with her. And and Molly, your daughter Molly, was like about one or something. <laughs> and I would say, can you put Molly on the phone? And she'd go, okay. And I'd get on the phone and go, what are you wearing, Molly? <laughs> Are you, are you wearing a diaper? <laughs> Would you like me to put some powder on your ass? And she goes, Don't say that to that, that girl. That's so how about. And I said, I'm really, really sorry, Barbara. Can I go on and apologize? And she'd put me back on. i go, Molly, I'd really like to spank you. <laughs> <laughs> She'd go, you son of a bitch. Why do you say that? <laughs> <laughs> she, yeah. I mean,
2: um, actually, she would call in when Gilbert was on uh, house. <laughs> right, I yes, know
0: about this.
1: And start yelling at him. There. <laughs> <laughs> you guys, I, You guys have interesting history. <laughs> one time calling your house and she answered... And I think for some reason, I don't think we sound at all alike, but she said, oh, Vali, how are you? And I think she thought it was Wallace Shawn. Or that could
2: be. I mean, because, you know, with her accent, she probably, you know. New York Americans probably all sound similar. So I
1: started to talk to her pretending I was Wallace Shawn and saying, yeah, I'm in town, I'm I'm shooting a movie, I'm I'm working on an off-Broadway play. And then after talking to her the longest time, I'd say, uh, I said to her, so did you ever blow a Nazi commandant? And, And she yelled out... And I'll rip your fucking dick off.
2: <laughs> Sounds like Ilsa
1: the She-Wolf.
2: Yes. Oh, is that that uh, that uh, yeah. pornographic Nazi yeah. movie? Yeah.
1: Oh, who was Ilsa? Uh, I'm trying
0: to remember now. Diane Thorn. Diane. That Thorne. was
2: like a porn movie in a not in a. A concentration camp that looked like Hogan's Heroes. Yes. <laughs> Very strange. Yeah. yeah. Very weird. And, you know, just like that garish 1970s colors and, you know, big breasts coming out of her Nazi SS uniform.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I remember, yeah, on every time I'd be on 42nd Street, there'd be a, a, an Ilsa movie playing. Oh, God. That's sick stuff. All kinds of stuff to ask you about. And here, then I mean. there was, I thought, remember they did one Archie film that wasn't Ilsa, that was like the Night Porter. Oh, the one
0: with Dirk oh, Bogart. yeah. And, the Night uh, Porter. what's her
2: face from Georgie Girl?
0: Shh. Oh, gosh.
1: Charlotte Rampling. Charlotte Rampling, yeah. Yeah. right. And she's wearing I was going to say Lynn Redgrave. Georgie <laughs> <laughs> Girl, threw me. I was like, around? wait a minute. And Burt Backer acted yeah. the music. Yeah, <laughs> yeah Charlotte Rampling,
0: too. right. Uh, I remember the poster. It was a very sexy poster. It was like suspenders
2: yes. with no shirt, and she got and the, the Nazi, Nazi hat, the Nazi yeah. biker yeah. cap. What yeah. was the deal? Was it about Stockholm Syndrome? I never Syndrome saw it. I
1: remember I think the he ad. He was a Nazi, and she was an inmate of a camp.
2: But he, they had a relationship. Yes,
1: in a sick sort of yeah, yeah a
2: lot of S and M stuff. I think uh, some of the biggest selling S M costume items are Nazi women. You know. I, a, I buy them. <laughs> buy them for all your friends. Yeah.
0: Can we ask you about some of the actors from some of the great character actors that you worked with on Johnny Dangerously? Okay, but or, some
2: of them didn't play Nazis.
0: Uh, <laughs> we just
1: want to talk about Sig Ruman.
0: <laughs> talk about. I'm happy to talk about Sig Ruman. You worked with Alan Hale Jr. on Johnny oh, wow. Dangerously.
2: Yeah, but that was just like two shots. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But yeah, and it was you know it was very. Um, he was kind of old then, uh-huh. but he, he was a sweet guy.
0: What about Deloise? What about Don Delois? Don Delois.
2: that was another thing where it was two shots. Uh-huh. And, um, he was sort of part of the gang of uh, the producer and, you know, the other 20th Century Fox comedies that they insisted, we want X amount of names and here's one that right. you're going to put in Right. has got somewhere. a great
0: cast, that movie.
2: It had a fun cast, yeah. yeah.
0: And was it based on, on the Clark Abel movie, on the Manhattan melodrama? No, is there a movie that they took a plot from? Well, the I didn't know that. It's, <laughs> <laughs> it's a little it's a little like that plot.
2: I mean, there's but, always like, you know, the brother where one goes good and one goes sure, bad and sure. that's a lot of gangster sure, movies. Sure, sure.
0: Yeah. I mean, Keaton's great in it. It's it's just it's it's such a fun film. And uh and the running the gag with Ray, Ray Walston.
2: And everybody's favorite Joe Piscopo.
1: <laughs> and Mary Lou Henner and and Maureen Stapleton. <laughs> <laughs> Now I heard you wanted someone else for the piscopo part.
2: Well, I had a different kind of movie in my head. And so I wasn't thinking like the studio of like we see 10 comedy names, 5 on this side of the poster and 5 on that side of the poster and that's like how they saw the movie. And I thought, okay, so really evil bad guy um who's so evil it'll be funny and I thought James Woods. Uh-huh. And they said, "No, you can't pick James Woods in a comedy." And I thought, Sure you could, but it was Keep a very different. Funny.
1: Yeah, no, they wanted Joe Piscopo. Well, like the studio, I think originally they they wanted when they were making Airplane, to pack it with comedians. Yeah,
2: I could see that. Oh
0: yeah, well, there's a. I just saw Letterman auditioning for the Robert Hayes part. Oh wow! Circulating really? on the web. Yeah, I'll send it to you. It's, oh It's wow. bizarro. Yeah.
1: And it would have been the whole point of it. Of would course. have been gone.
0: Of course. Well, they were parroting Zero Hour. Yeah. So they had to get those kind of actors. Yeah. The, the Robert Stacks. But they don't the... get
2: that because, right. oh, especially because once It's a Mad, Mad, Mad World came out. That right. seemed to be the formula. Like you'll get the Three Stooges and Buster Keaton and Dick Shawn, and you know you get all the people from every decade. And, and how many of those movies together. really worked out? And how many of those all-star comedy films?
0: We're, we were just going to talk. We're going talk about, about them in a little mini episode with with Mike afterward. About you could
1: talk to us if you want to stay. around. <laughs> <You can talk laughs> we're going to talk about, about
0: Scavenger Hunt and all of these other and movies. The rat race. Is there
2: a movie called Scavenger? Yeah. Hunt?
0: Yeah, with Tony Randall. That was
1: think, made by Hefty Bags. I'm not, no, that what? was million dollar no, mystery. That was million.
0: <laughs> <laughs> there were these cheapo knockoffs of It's a Mad, Mad World. Well, the yeah. rat race. Rat race, yeah. Sure, with Whoopi and Cleese. The, there were oh, a oh, bunch of them. Name was the one kind of
1: good one. And, good yeah. one, and the Rowan Atkinson. A- Ro- Rowan that Atkinson's funny too. We
2: went yeah. to the Barbie Museum, but it was Klaus Barbie. Oh, yes. Yeah.
1: <laughs> the one kind of good one was um, Who's Minding the Mint?
2: I never that saw that one. That had
1: been and Jack Gilford and.
2: Yeah, they Victor they f- Bono. figure let's get all of them together and that should be something.
1: Yeah, I like the Great
0: Race. I mean, it's uneven. Yeah. It's not exactly an no. all star cast, but, but uh, it's it's got it's got I Keenan Wynn and it... Jack Lemmon and yeah. and Falk and. Tony well, Curtis. You can't go
2: wrong with those guys. Natalie
0: Wood. It's it's you know it's bloated and it's but it's funny. Yeah. It's funny. It's a better movie than its Mad Mad Mad, and Mad World. Mad Tony Mad Curtis World with his teeth glinting. Oh yeah, Blake that Edwards. Was, my
2: Mad, kid loved that Molly. She when she was a little kid, she loved that movie. She re- Watched it over and over. It's
0: fun. Me too. Revisit it. Yeah. It's well, fun.
2: no, I don't have to. It's, I've seen it a million yeah. times. <laughs> right. <laughs> but it, it for a kid, yeah. it was a funny movie. Yeah. Mad Mad
1: World is one of those movies. I advise everyone to see it, but it's really not that good for the most part.
2: Yeah, because you're kind of going, and this is, I guess, what the studio's counting on, because it's much harder to write and make a good story. Um, As you're watching it, you're going, I wonder who'll be in it next. Oh, yes,
0: yes. Yeah, you get lost. Yeah, yeah, and if you're a little kid, you go,
2: oh, the Three Stooges. Oh, that silent guy. Yeah. Oh, this guy you know, and that's exciting and fun. But that doesn't mean that it all holds together.
1: And and I get the impression that when they were making Mad Mad World, there were probably about ten directors working on it.
2: Huh. Wait, who directed that? Kramer.
0: Stanley Kramer.
1: Yeah. Wow. Who's known for Whoa. his wacky The sense man who made humor.
0: Judgment at Nuremberg.
2: Whoa. <laughs> yeah
0: and the Defiant Ones. Which was ones.
2: like the opposite. Let's get a shitload of serious guys. To right. Help <laughs> right.
0: <laughs> right. And Spencer Tracy will be the yeah. common. Right. Uh, spe- speaking of uh, of bad movies, I-, I love this that I found in my research. Ed Wood was kind of indirectly inspired Shares character in, uh, yeah. in Clueless.
2: You didn't call that a bad movie, did you? What's that? Ed Wood? No,
0: uh, a maker of bad movies. Oh, okay. Yeah. Because I love that <laughs> no, movie. No, I love it. We've yeah, had Scott and Larry was... here. A great yeah. movie. that yes, But the I, I adore character
2: one. was inspiring because, I mean, you know, he, he's like kind of enlightened in a way. It's like he's creating and he's having fun and he's got these friends that would work with him and love him. And he's made this life. And if you look at it from another place, you could go, ha ha, what a loser. His movies stink. But if you're him and you go, he's having the perfect life. It's wonderful because he chose to look at things positively. And that blows my mind because I could never do that. I mean, the idea that like, you know, when you rewrite a script, it gets better and better. And you just think like, yeah, but it's really hard. And how do you know it's not getting worse? But no, he's rewriting it. So it's better and better. And then, you know, you want one for safety? What for? It was perfect. I mean, just to go around being that. Positive.
0: I hope he was really like that because it's one of the charming aspects of Ed Wood, the movie. It's one just of fall the most
2: charming f- characters yeah. I can imagine.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. That he was a glass half full kind yeah. of guy. Yeah. yeah,
0: yeah. It's a fun performance and, a, and a, a, a wonderful character. And so that kind of inspired you. You were what coming off the vacation movie, and you didn't no. know what you wanted to do next. And and uh,
2: I just, don't know what I was coming off of, but uh, you know. I was not happy, and I was trying to think, like, oh, everybody's pushing me to do this and that, and I worked really hard on a script, and they were going, nah, it's too smart. And I think, oh, you know, say it stinks. Don't say it's too smart. That's not a reason to dislike something. Um And so I thought, well, what else, what do I want to do? What kind of character do I like? What do I like watching? And then I was thinking of, like, happy people and, like, what's the deal with that? Um, (laughs) (laughs) And so, you know, one thing led to another. But that was one of the,
0: Because those kind of people mystify you, you said. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Now, you said you were in director's jail for a while.
2: Yeah, you were always in director's jail. And then, you know. I mean, I knew I would be in director's jail after Johnny Dangerous because we had a screening and the numbers really bad. And so I thought, well, I better take something right now so that they'll say, oh, you can't be in jail because you're still working on that, which has got these stars in it. So you know, we'll have to wait and see before we like write you off. And not that I want to be with any of the female people, but um, women don't get like a lot of second chances. Um, and so I had to really, really. Maneuver. I didn't want to be, like, doing oh, girls lose their virginity movies because they did in Fast Time. So that's what we'll allow you to do.
0: That's what you were being offered at the time. Yeah. yeah.
2: And then you do a gangster movie because you go, like, I want to do a boy movie. And then um, it's they don't get the comedy. So suddenly it's like, uh-oh, I got to do something where they do get the comedy because – There it is. It's worked before. It's the exact same thing. It's a sequel. Um, And they'll push that, and they'll be behind it because that's their franchise. Mm -hmm. Um, And then if that doesn't work, then they're, you know, kicking you out of the industry, and and then you got to, you know, grab onto a pen and hold on to (laughs) it. And, like, hopefully it gets you through the horrible waters of showbiz.
1: And, and you tried to, thinking I guess it would be a major success because the others were, uh, was getting you into European vacation.
2: Uh, um. So, wait, what was the question? <laughs> well, <laughs>
1: that's a whole other podcast. Though. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that one. Well, it, it's, it's like I think you thought, well, I'll take European vacation because the vacation movies were all hits.
2: There was only one.
1: Yo, there there was only one up until then. Yeah. Oh.
2: Yeah, there was the vacation where yeah. they go to Wally World. And then the studio said, that made money, and let's get Chevy back and um, have him go to Europe. And so I read the script, and I thought, Wally, you know, I mean, Chevy Chase going to Europe, being the ugly American, yeah, that could work, uh, you know. Inadvertently ruining things, um, but nothing—nothing nothing went right. Nothing that was in the script made sense in actual Europe, which I had never been to. So
0: hey, another reason to make the movie. I never get, get to I go didn't to Europe.
2: No, like what the reality of a lot of things were, um, and uh, and it was. I'm like I don't travel well. I'm no. <laughs> like one of those. I, lines, you described you know, you yourself as an agoraphobic, Amy. Huh?
0: You've described yourself as an agoraphobic. Uh, you, you, but you're wide open spaces,
2: uh-huh. yeah, yeah. It went when we went to California. Um, we went through, drove across America, and it's like, okay, that's enough of that. I'll never <laughs> do that again. Uh, you know. Cornfields and right. deserts and
1: shit. I'm with you. No. Yeah, I hate. I don't see the point in traveling. You're
0: not a guy for the country or no. the suburbs either. No, You're, no. Yeah. you remind me of, of Alvy Singer. Oh he yes, yes. He doesn't yes. want the dead moths and the screen doors.
1: Like I like yeah. seeing nature. If I'm inside a car or in a hotel room, air conditioned, looking out on nature. I don't I like be seeing in
2: nature it. if I'm in a museum. Yeah. And I've seen the painting of (laughs) it. Yeah, or a diorama.
0: Or, you know, let's see
2: what Monet did with it. Right. But I don't really want to go there.
0: And you don't like sequels. I mean, I've heard you speak about, you know, the story's told. The story has come full circle. Why do we need to revisit these characters again?
2: A lot of the time that's the case. I mean, something like James Bond, uh, you wouldn't call those sequels. Sure,
0: no. No, Uh, that's different.
2: You know, there are some things where you just go, go, that could go on and on. But most things, um, they tell the story, there's a big kiss at the end or whatever, and that story
1: is told if it's done right. It seems with sequels, the characters have to forget (laughs) everything they learned in the first movie. Yeah,
2: actually, we don't like each other. You know, now that we think of it. Or they
1: have to find
0: a similar Jeopardy, a Jeopardy that's so similar to something in the first movie that was so unique. Yeah. And make that, try to create that lightning in a...
2: I mean, when you think about it, and the great hope of all sequels is Godfather. Sure. Um, You know, Godfather 2. But Uh, there was
0: more story to be told in that case.
2: Yeah, but even that was like, okay... There's all this wonderful material, and this one told the stuff in the middle. So let's tell the stuff before and after, which was kind of strange because it was almost like it wasn't a complete story in the first Godfather, Mm -hmm. although it felt like it was. Um, So it didn't didn't feel like a sequel. But that was the one time where you go like, yeah, you could do Godfather 2, and
1: that'll be good. But then... Came Godfather three years later. Yes. Through. Well, he yeah. was
0: drag-kicking and screaming into that, wasn't he? Oh. He resisted forever.
1: Oh, God, that was so horrible. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I can't think. You'd have to count on one hand the the, the number of sequels that are... Bride of, well, yes. well, yes. 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 of Frankenstein. Well, yes. Bride of Frankenstein and Godfather. Yes, that's a good example.
2: Yeah.
1: And... Um, Not many. What I remember is in Jaws 2... <laughs> oh, I'll bring that one up. <laughs> the mayor... Had, uh, <laughs> didn't believe there was a shark. And I thought, well, he already witnessed all so this. Yeah. Didn't you see Jaws <laughs> 1, Mr. Mayor? <laughs> you know. Yeah. That's a future episode idea. Oh, yes.
0: Successful sequels. <laughs> Not many.
2: What works sometimes is the meeting of things. You know, Abbott and Costello meet people. Um, sure. You know, Godzilla meets another monster and, you know, things that. You go, well, I like this and I like that, and so they might as well both fight. It's
0: different, though, because you. you. it's like Bond. You would have one character that you're building new stories around. When you have to take 10 or 12 characters from the first movie and now make magic yeah. again with those elements, that's got to be tough.
2: But also those – like all those Marvel and DC movies um – But those are like comics and there's endless amounts of stories with those guys. But I didn't like when they made Superman and Batman like going to fight together. And I don't like the idea of superheroes that I'm supposed to like being against each other. I don't want there to be a civil war and I don't want Superman to fight with Batman. I want them to fight with bad guys because the fun stuff about those is like fun bad
1: guys. Right. That's the best. That's how I feel about Bernie and Hillary, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) And you were a fan of Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein.
2: When I was a kid, I thought it was hilarious that they were, you know, all these monsters that I liked were in this movie that was funny. Um, And and there they all were together. And that was just like, wait a minute, the Wolfman and Bela Lugosi and Frankenstein?
1: (laughs) I was the same way. (laughs) I, I thought... I am so, because I wasn't familiar, you know, it was so exciting when you were a kid yeah. to see a movie you had heard about, and I remember the first time I saw Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein, I go, well, wait a second, it's not just Frankenstein, <laughs> it's also the Wolfman and Dracula, Yeah, and Cheney is back as the Wolfman, and Lugosi yeah. finally is back as Dracula. Yeah, that
2: was a mind-blower. And then at the end, it's like the Invisible Man, and you oh, go, well, Vincent Price, oh, yeah, the my cameo. God, how yeah. did they get everybody? And that's yeah. just so great. Yeah,
0: you should watch uh, Amy's movie Vamps Gil, because it's there's there's a lot of homages to yeah to 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 the old classic horror stuff. I mean, um, Wallace Shawn turns up as Van Helsing. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> can we ask you about Marty Brest, a, a, a person sure. we've talked about on this show? We talked so about funny going because, in style.
2: Okay. I was in my basement writing and Marty calls me up with friends. This was a billion years ago and he goes, Okay, you've been watching M T V, you gotta see this guy. He's sitting on the beach with his eyes closed yelling and it was you.
0: Wow. Wow. Yeah. Who and knew? he
2: went crazy for you. He said, You gotta see him, you gotta see him and you know, then I saw him and it was like, Oh my god, that guy's hilarious. And uh, it was those interstitials you did. You were sitting in the beach and blah blah blah. Yes, well, when was I was Ford doing Hill. those
1: things for MTV. Oh no. Yeah. Yeah. In the eighties. Yeah.
2: Yeah, and so that was my first exposure to Gilbert. Like me and Marty going, "Okay, let's go watch that guy. Oh my God, that guy's great!" And let's talking about you.
0: It's come full circle. Yeah, <laughs> uh, we we were doing mini episodes. We changed the format of them, but we would each pick a movie that we were obsessed with, and I picked Going in Style, uh-huh. which I'm sad to say is being remade. But that's another that's another conversation. Yeah, and I love Midnight Run and and uh, so much of his work. And uh, what what is he up to?
2: Um, is he working? Well, is, he, is he? You know, you have to have you know clearance for to get the information. I see. I don't want to put you I, on the spot. Yeah, because he's a very very <laughs> private person. He's uh-huh. the J.D. Salinger. Uh, he's
0: turned into that. Yeah. Yeah. Which I'm just fascinated by his disappearance and, and not not in a good way because I'd like to see more of his. Well, I'd like to see more films. He
2: he did some. I'm not supposed to say, but uh, you know, uh, he he did something that is amazing, and I hope. Gets made because it's amazing.
0: Oh, Oh, a great script. Well, oh, okay. You can't talk. Uh, yeah.
2: I'm not, I'm not <laughs> supposed no. to say anything. Well, we'll but, leave it. Uh, Yeah. Now but,
1: you were you were telling me before we got on the air of some show you saw me do. With oh a, my god! Yeah. And
2: I don't know if it was Move On or what it was. It was a political left wing thing, and everybody was there. Everybody from you know Seinfeld to every big comic that there was at the time. And, you know, everybody was really hilarious. And then Gilbert comes on and he blows everybody out of the water. Not it surprising. was just like amazing. I was like crying. It was and I think um some of the stuff was about uh was it Waldheim was, oh, saying yes, it was a gangster. Yes. Joyce uh, the
1: Nazi? Whip bit? Yeah. No no this was a bit See, but it's a physical bit, so you can't He was were saying,
2: hello. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, right.
1: But that, uh, was yes.
0: a, but that was part of the old, the, the same Waldheim bit. Where oh, Where they yes. chase him to the top of the building, and and the, the mob is surrounding him.
1: Oh, the, yeah. And you don't do that they're anymore. they saying some, something like, oh, is that uh, Norman Fell?" Oh, it's me, yeah. character-ed. Right. Yeah. I'm doing your own act yeah, back yes. here. <laughs>
0: I used to see him, the, the, Caroline's had a club at the Seaport uh-huh. in the old days, and he would do a very long show yeah. in those days. Yeah. And and the Waldheim bit was a, was a favorite. Yeah, that I, was
2: like hilarious. Yeah. That was. F-
0: it ended with a Joyce to wit punchline. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> you remember
1: yes it the was premise
0: something. is that there, the crowd chases Waldheim up to the top of a tower because they're i guess it's angry jews yeah because yeah. he had a nazi he had a suspected nazi past
1: yeah and well i remember the bit see see this is the problem because <laughs> i i remember the bit was uh i was talking to kurt Waldheim and he said you know uh A couple of years ago, I was in Germany on vacation. (laughs) That's the one. And a guy was taking my picture. And who goes walking past, right as the picture's being taken, Adolf Hitler? Well, I don't want him in the picture. I don't even know the guy. (laughs) And then I do like the big, I throw my arm out and like a Zieg Heil, and I go, wait, wait. Don't take that picture. Wait.
0: <laughs> That's the physical part. Yes. But the yes. but the rest of that
1: bit was yeah they, they, uh, of of them thinking he's Norman Fell. Right. He yells down. It's <laughs> yeah. me, character after yeah. Norman Fell. I, I think Kurt time at one point <laughs> to to save his own life goes. Uh, <laughs> I had a a volatile working relationship with Cindy Williams. (laughs) Right, well, they
0: say, if I remember the bit correctly, it's how do we know you're Norman? Yeah, yes. And you said you yelled down Joyce DeWitt had a likable vulnerability. Yes,
1: yes, a likable (laughs) vulnerability. (laughs) Hilarious. We will return to Gilbert Gottfried's Amazing Colossal Podcast after this.
0: Did you study with Terry Southern at NYU, the great Terry Southern? <coughs>
1: the great
2: Terry Southern. Um, if you'd call it studying. Yeah. He, um,
0: the writer he, of Dr. Strange Love and yes, Candy and I for, know. for our listeners I that, know. that aren't familiar and shame on you if you're not.
2: Yeah. He, um, he came to NYU and he picked out some people to be in an advanced writing class. And then he said, but I don't want to sit here in a classroom. It's too boring. You'll all meet me in, in Hungry Charlie's or some bar. Um and we'd all have separate times. And he kept making my time like the last one and asking me if I needed a ride home. Um, and I, I didn't. I mean, I did need a ride home, but I was, like, you know, afraid. And uh, And the thing is, like, as the night wore on, he'd get more and more drunk. And so by the time, you know, it was time to talk about my stuff, he was like, you know, He was drunk. He just wanted to drive me home and I didn't. (laughs) 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 Oh, I was so stupid. And years later, I meet this other girl Uh and I told her about it and she goes, you didn't sleep with him? Like, what are you, an idiot? Like, she did. I mean, it's like, you know, he's a big shot in the movie industry. You have to sleep with him. And like, you know. What do you, you know, (laughs) go back to your job at Metropolitan Life for minimum wage? And where do you think you're going to get in this
1: world? Now, here's something like, there there have actually been books and websites on this. And Mm -hmm. it's so funny. And that's the alternate reality in movies like where there are these scenes like The Talking Killer, like the killer who uh, has the gun on the hero, but rather than shoot him, oh, yeah. wants to give a long... Sure. What, what scenes like that t- t- appeal to you in those weird things that are the movie universe?
2: Well, like you say, every time you go, God, you could kill him so fast. Yeah. <laughs> horsing around. Um, it just happened for me for that... Uh, Batman Superman one where it's like Martha and I was like oh no really we're going to hang everything on that? I didn't see it. Oh. And,
0: <laughs> it's okay. They're fighting Everybody's and seen
2: first it. of all it always starts out like all these guys that have superpowers or amazing weapons but somehow it's like exploding exploding flying exploding all sorts of weaponage and then it's always down to man to man.
1: Oh yeah. Uh-huh. And why? I don't know.
2: Why? What was wrong with all the weapons? That couldn't work? But, like, you're going to get
1: punched and that'll kill you? What I love in movies is when the hero and the villain, or or when the villain has a weapon on a hero and the hero will go, you don't want to kill me that way. It's too easy. Come on, let's do this man to man.
2: Yeah. Why
1: would you give up your weapon? That's
2: stupid. (laughs) If you want to kill somebody, you want to kill them. Kill
1: them and go home. Yeah, that's that's, I agree.
2: I mean, you know, if you're going to the trouble of, like, meeting somebody who wants to kill you and being finally in the position where you could kill them, why jerk around after that? Just do it.
1: The other thing that gets me—it's also a variation on talking killers, but when it's a mob like Don— like the high guy in charge, rather than just killing them or saying, you cheated me and then taken out a gun and killing, they always go into like a long, like, uh, college thesis. Uh, like they'll go, in 1803, <laughs> there was... Uh, They would have the uh, celebration of the cockroach. Now, the cockroach was considered (laughs) uh, a sign of luck and a sign of prosperity. What? What? Are all these gangsters so like? You also hate the romantic comedies. We
0: talked about how when you get to that point in the the rom-com when you know that the two people who are meant for each other have to pull apart. Yeah, yeah could, and there's always a device. There's always a clumsy device. Somebody overhears a phone call they weren't supposed to hear, or uh, there's a, or there's, a, there's the dumbest of misunderstandings.
1: Yeah, it's One all comes
0: are
2: idiotic. I can't and stand
1: them. How many times do they catch them at the airport? Oh, that's well, the not other anymore. Thing.
2: Yeah. I mean, because that was always the running, running, running airport stuff since like nine eleven. You can't like. Oh, you just... can't run to the gate anymore. Right. No. Right. No. Right. Yes. There's no more. <laughs> of that. Last time it's I like... saw
0: that was in Love Actually. <laughs> yeah, the running to the. Uh...
2: Yeah, you can't yeah. do that stuff anymore. This brings and up, and if you do, I'm in theater going. No, 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 yeah. no.
1: Yeah, no. You that know, ain't. And, no. and you know the other thing is in in romantic comedies, it's like. Immediately considered great comedy, if a girl is in a wedding dress, not in a wedding situation. If she's out in the street in a wedding dress or in a supermarket. Well, this bothers you. I did.
0: uh, I was reading uh, an an interview with you, and you can't stand that all of these rom coms and all these women are in in searching for weddings, weddings, weddings,
2: weddings. Who cares? Right. Yeah.
0: <laughs> there's so many of them. There's so many various. Twenty-seven dresses, and the wedding singer, and a, and my best friend's wedding, and there's a there's a million of them. There, and they all run into each okay, other. Okay,
2: I pitched this thing I, that was making fun of all of them. Everybody uh-huh. said, "Oh no, you can't do that." I called it the wedding brides, and it was <laughs> <laughs> funny title. <laughs> it was like all the tropes of like you know, three women have a bet over who could get married first. Oh,
1: jeez. But somebody yes. videotapes <laughs> them and
2: it goes viral. So everybody gets involved. And then, you know, big gamblers decide that they're going to, like, send in a ringer to make one of them fall in love with him uh, so that they could win the bet because she'll be the ugliest one. and the, But they really do fall in love. You know, and then, you, you know, all the things that could be stupidly idiotically in these things. Mm-hmm. And, um. I pictured it at the studios, who all said no, but, you know, I try to get it, like, why? Why no? And they go, you know, because women like these movies, and they don't want to see it made fun of.
0: I think that's wrong.
1: I agree. Yeah. And, and also in romantic comedies, the woman always has to have a gay friend. Oh, oh, mine
2: all had gay friends.
1: Yeah.
2: <laughs> so Because... Um, You know, and then you have to have what I called a lesser, because there has to be some sort of child or cripple or like (laughs) financially just some person that you're friends with to show that you're cool, you know.
1: Um, And 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 the girl in romantic comedies always has to have a less attractive best friend, and the her job is to show up in the movie and go you know what's your problem? You work all day and you care more about your job than finding a guy. You know, that's your job. Or you don't see
0: the guy that's standing right in front of you. You never gave him an opportunity. Well, that
1: was always the
2: thing. It's like the guy that's right in front of you or, you know, the one that you would immediately dismiss that you didn't realize was so good and blah, blah, blah. But, you know, and the thing is with these, like, the friend who's like, the ugly but funny friend Mm -hmm. who has some sassy answers, those have gone through, like, different ethnicities. Oh, yes, (laughs) yes. Oldie Horn would have a Jewish friend (laughs) who would be eating and telling her what was wrong with her. Then there came the black friends. Then there came the, like, Hispanic and the Asian. So it's like, you know, if you were, like, not a leading lady, but you were the wrong ethnicity you were out of luck. And, you know, then they like said, oh, I think there's like actual kickbacks given now for, you know, certain ethnicities that you can, um, they get some money because the studios have to be less white.
0: Oh, interesting.
2: And so I have a friend who tries to act like he's Middle Eastern because he's actually Jewish, but he looks Middle Eastern. I mean, he looks Jewish, but but of the wrong kind of Jewish. Yeah. (laughs) Because they don't get a kickback for that, for hiring a Jew as opposed to like, you know, from some Middle East country.
0: Interesting. My wife and I noticed a trend too with with these rom-coms is that women seem to be falling a lot and it's always in the trailer.
1: Oh, yes. Their shoes go out from oh, under them or they fall oh, hailing well, a cab. A, a high heel, yeah. the heel coming off –
0: well, it's, like a, it's like a studio executive's way of saying, well, she's Cameron Diaz and she's too unattainable and and make her goofy and make her fall down in a puddle yeah, or get splashed. Yeah, she's
2: like, you know, so gorgeous and so able to, like, wear, like, five-inch heels all the time. But she's a klutz. Right. They're all oh, klutzes. Yes. yes. They're yes. all klutzes. See, because yeah.
1: you – it, it's so funny. It's like you have to—the trick is to get a beautiful actress, but make the audience feel like, oh, no, she's just like a nebbish. Like So we're supposed to believe, like, you yeah. know, uh, Julia Roberts and Sandra Bullock are, can't find a guy.
2: Yeah, of course. Well, oh, That's my Hollywood. favorite,
1: of, as far as two people who couldn't find a mate, is in Frankie and Johnny— Oh, with Al Pacino and Michelle Pfeiffer. Well, it was Kathy that Bates was on stage. Very yeah. Different and, and, un, yeah, and S. Mary say, Abraham was yeah. the Pacino right.
0: part.
2: Well, you know, if you go to the studio and say I want to do something like, you know, a teenage Marty, but they'll go, okay, but we want the guy from American Pie that's very cute that all the girls like. So yeah. you can't do it. They yeah. don't let you. Right. You can't put in the like.
0: Average people. That's interesting. A that, teenage Marty. Because
1: it is. It's like when I was watching Michelle Pfeiffer, which was just one example of a billion, and I'm thinking. Uh, why hasn't some guy walked into the diner and said, my God, this girl should be in Hollywood?
2: Because she (laughs) had some, like, stringly... Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. The (laughs) The
0: alternative to having her fall while having a cab.
1: Oh, my favorite, the glasses. Right, right. Right. Um, right. A beautiful actress puts glasses on and she's ugly and takes them off and it's like, there's that, oh my God. God moment, She's yeah, beautiful. My wife and I watched Loser
0: uh, uh-huh. la- last night. Well, uh, that
2: was the situation,
0: right? I was, I was thinking. So, so, so you got Jason Biggs.
2: I love Jason. Yeah, he's adorable. Yeah, but I was hoping for somebody a lot less leading man.
0: Right, right.
2: I think it worked. It was not. What I was, you know, you're writing one thing sure. and they keep making you change it so you don't know what's good or bad anymore. And then it comes out and makes no money. And then you go, you're an idiot. And you go, well, you know, I'm an idiot because I couldn't think of, like, how to make this work with all these, you know, things that you made me do.
0: Did you choose the song T- uh, Teenage Dirtbag yourself or was that your music supervisor? And I asked No, her, they
2: wrote that for us. That's, yeah, I That's like my, that my
0: sister-in-law's boyfriend. Really? Brendan Brown. They're great. Yes, they are. Yeah. They're on tour right now in the oh, UK. Oh, cool. Yeah. Tell them hi. I will. Small world. And you're a fan of Mad Magazine. I love
2: Mad Magazine. <laughs> I cuz when I was little there were a lot of movies I couldn't see but I could read the Mad Magazine, you know, satires on them.
0: I know you I saw you mention Mort Drucker. He's alive and well.
2: I know. Mort Drucker's still alive. Mort Drucker
0: yes, lives yes. out in Long Island. Al yeah. Jaffe's alive and well uh-huh. right here in the city. We probably have Al on the show.
1: He's 95. <gasps> Oh, wow. Yeah. That's It's, awesome. it's so funny. <clears throat> a lot of those that guys if are If you open Mad Now, it's all these artists who grew up on Mad Magazine. So there's one that draws pictures in the style of Mort Drucker. Yeah. Right. Another uh, right. style of Don Mom. Aragonus. There's yeah. an Aragonus yeah. guy. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: There's a thing they do with, like, you know, the lighter side of. Oh, yes. Where they take the old. Comic the way it was, and change the dialogue to fit into stuff now. And it's cool because, you know, the same situations but with slight changes are all still wonderful. Yeah,
0: because Dave Berg's dead. They can do that. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, you I hope his protest. relatives and his estate get something. I'm sure I, they I do. I
1: remember when Don Martin. Finally left MAD. Yeah, it was a scandal. He went y- to Cracked. Yes, yeah. and Cracked said, now, with Don Martin. What
0: oh, the <laughs> fuck, you? Don's gone. Yeah. Don's gone. But I told the guys at MAD, I've written for MAD on and off for about 20 years, Amy, and wow. I, I, told the, I told the editor-in-chief that you were a fan. They were excited. Aww. So, Mort, we should get Mort and Al Jaffe oh, yes. to come oh, yes, talk to absolutely. us. Yes,
2: absolutely. Mort sent me, and I, this is something I feel horrible about, uh, he made a um, a loose leaf with a lot of his pictures and autographed them to me. And it was like when my father was dying and I like, uh, you know, I wanted to like send him a thank you and tell him how wonderful it was. And I just had other things like that. I was just putting off and putting off and putting off and then it was too late. And then he called to see if I got it. And I went, oh, God, I didn't write a thank you quick enough. I'm a section shark. Um, But it's like my most treasured possession. Oh, nice. Yeah. I, I
1: remember when Beverly Hills Cop Two came out, I saw a picture of me in a Mort Drucker.
0: <laughs> you never showed cartoon. me that. Yeah,
1: that's cool. Yeah.
2: Oh, that is the coolest yeah. thing there could be. That's yeah. cool. That's like you know that or, or Hirschberg with the Ninas on your face. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, I'll
0: show you. I'll show you something later outside that I brought. <sighs> Oh, cool. after we, uh, after we wrap. I
2: but was just watching you in, in Beverly Hills Cop 2 with the, like the thing in one hand that would uh, make you forget that <laughs> the, the thing. But I had an issue with that because okay. there was you and there was Paul Reiser and you know you were playing someone named Bernstein who yeah, was
1: Sid Bernstein.
2: <laughs> it was like cheating stuff <laughs> and yeah. wheeling and dealing. <laughs> and Paul Reiser was the like young Jewish guy who wanted to be more like Eddie Murphy and I thought well, this seems all very anti-Semitic. <laughs> <laughs> you know? I mean, what is Jews can't be cool, or Jews are just cheating people? I mean...
1: But I remember, uh, and I don't know if you were doing this or what, there was, there was uh Yeah, I, I think, I think it was. They were casting for the part of a landlord. Uh-huh. And originally... They wanted a black guy. Uh-huh. And so, but they said, eh, this black guy as this this money-hungry landlord. That sounds racist. <laughs> so they got a Jew. <laughs> uh... Well, we should uh, uh, start wrapping yep, up. Yep, this
0: was fun.
2: This is great.
1: Uh
0: thanks for coming and doing this. Yeah, Amy. We know you don't do many interviews and you and uh
1: I'm Gilbert Gottfried. This has been Gilbert Gottfried's amazing colossal podcast with my co host Frank Santo Padre, once again at Nutmeg Post, with our engineer Frank Verderosa. And today we've been talking to director, writer, producer, and all around Jew in Hollywood (laughs) (laughs) Amy Heckerling
0: and we should thank Bobby Slayton too for setting Uh, setting this up yes our friend Bobby yay I love Bobby good to see him and and, loser
1: and so for all of the people who know Amy Heckerling is the one with the German babysitter (laughs) (laughs) thanks Amy
2: thank you